Well, this begins our stewardship series uh, for 2023. Uh, Our stewardship series each year is entitled For His Kingdom. So this is For His Kingdom 2023. And uh, of course, I think I, I should begin by reminding you that the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, if you'll look there right quick, you can watch, you know, follow through on the screen if you'd like. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, and this you know, is a little confusing to some folks because we know the Word also says that where there is no knowledge or if there is a lack of knowledge, people perish. Well, that's, that's obvious because if you don't know that God has provided redemption and salvation for you, you'll never step into it. If you don't know that healing is in the atonement, you'll never believe for it. If you don't know that Jehovah Jireh is the Lord who provides your every need, then you'll just muddle it along through life, minimum income levels, and never very blessed. So without, a, without knowledge, yes, of course you perish. But vision is the same way. Just because you have knowledge of the Word doesn't mean you're automatically going to grow in God or the provision or blessing He brings to your life. Uh, it is necessary that vision give direction to what you believe. Vision comes from learning what God says about you, about your rights in the kingdom of God, who He is, and then once you have the base of knowledge, that knowledge should alter your decision-making and be reflected in the choices you make, the path that you take in life. And so that's why, you know, death, and it's talking principally about spiritual death here, uh, will occur if you don't know that salvation is available, obviously. But death can still occur if the knowledge you've received of God and who you are and that His Word brings us isn't acted upon and doesn't alter the course of your life or the way you live your life. And so that having been said, uh, we can have more appreciation for what Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. Now this is instruction to leadership. Doesn't really matter if it's your family and you're a parent. It doesn't matter if it's your job, your vocational pursuit, you have a business endeavor you're engaged in or some uh, civil consideration. Really doesn't matter what arena of of leadership is being discussed. But he said that it is necessary for you to make the vision plain. For that collective corporate body, you should make the vision plain, write it. Make it plain upon tables. It helps you clarify your understanding of your own strategies in life. If you do more than just think about them and begin to write them down. But as a leader, you need to make it absolutely clear, make it plain upon tables if there's going to be any direction or momentum generated in your life. If you feel like there isn't any direction or momentum in your family, then you and your spouse probably need to talk about vision a little bit. What do you want? Not just vocational pursuit, but what do you want to ultimately achieve? Where do you want to to go? with your children, with your marriage, with your vocational pursuits. Being able to articulate the vision and write it down is important to your achievement of it. And I mean, even, you know, even the secular arena understands that principle, even though it comes to us from the Word of God. And then, of course, not only direction, but momentum can be established. The more clarity your vision has in your own thinking, in your own heart, the more fire will burn in you to achieve that goal or objective, and the more effective your efforts in that direction will be. So that's why we're doing vision. 
That's why I'm talking to you about vision for the next several Sundays. Now, I want you to see this <clears throat> as something more than a discussion of financial considerations, and in particular, your support of the church's vision uh, being solely a financial matter. It's not. Uh, but it's important that you do understand that. Your vision for your family and your life needs to have as its primary component what you're going to do in the kingdom of God. If God is more important to you than your earthly concerns are, then, you know, this gives the starting point for the vision you and your family need to cultivate for every aspect of your daily life. Uh, but it starts with what is your relationship to the Lord going to be and what is your vision as it relates to his kingdom going to look like. So that's why it's important that we take this time each year. And you know, um, if you understand that everything's new every time we get together, even though we've done vision series for 40 years now, every year it's new, every, new, every year it's different. Every year, yeah, the principles, a lot of the principles are the same, but it can be new and exciting and I believe this year's is. Uh, let me begin by simply saying that our vision for 2023 has a price tag of $2 million. That's what it will take to accomplish the places we want to go, the things that we want to do in 2023. And this isn't just some, oh, this would be cool to do, that would be cool to do. This is the direction we feel the Lord has given us for the coming year. And the first part of that direction uh, is going to be global church planting. You've heard a lot about this already, but not just church planting, not just evangelism, <clears throat> but global church planting. Uh, the last sermon I did had to do with lifestyle evangelism, how, how to become comfortable sharing your faith. This is really where living by the law of love begins. Now think about it for a moment. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus as the substitutionary sacrifice uh, for the sins of humanity, as our redeemer. And of course, uh, you know, the willingness that we have to share that good news with other people <clears throat> is the first measure of how you're doing living by the law of love. When we say that the royal law for us in this dispensation, the church age, the royal law that is to define our behavior, it's not a list of do's and don'ts like they had under the old covenant. Um, no, we have one law according to Jesus that fulfills all of the law and the prophets that define the old covenant. We have one requirement and that is to love. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul. The second is like unto it, uh, like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. So loving God first and then out of that love relationship we have with the Lord and our understanding of how much he loves us as an individual, we now have the basis for imparting love to somebody else's life. And I think this, of course, determines more than any other factor how our life's going to work out. Are you going to be a happy camper? Are you going to be filled with the joy of the Lord and the peace of God? Well, you start getting your eyes off of your need and put it on somebody else's need, which begins with their need for Jesus Christ, their need for a Savior, and it will begin to change you. When you're more concerned about helping other people in the most significant way possible, which is, you know, sealing the matter of their salvation, their heavenly destiny or, or eternity, and being used of the Lord to bring them into the kingdom, that's a great feeling. There are a few things that, uh, man, build you up and get you any more excited than that. But this is the, the primary expression of the love of God. 
God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Well, we're to so love the world that we give them Jesus too. And according to uh, Acts chapter one, you know, it begins in Jerusalem or our city, our immediate community, moves from Jerusalem uh, unto Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth into the state of Minnesota, into the nation of America, into the uttermost parts of the earth. And this is what the Lord says represents his heart more than anything else you can do is getting the good news of Jesus Christ into other people's lives. And so it's important to share Jesus and it gets your eyes off of all of the things you need and that you tend to want to complain to God about. Lord, I have prayed, I've gone to church, I've given offerings, I tithe, whatever, you know, why isn't this happening? I need more, I need this, I need that. Well, when you start focusing your attention on how you can make a difference in other people's lives, it changes you by taking your eyes off of what you wish you had but didn't and then making you thankful for what you have and enabling you to make a huge eternal difference in other people's lives. So evangelism in general is how we begin living by the royal law. But of the evangelistic possibilities, which are our own community, our own family, our own friends, our own coworkers, our own city, you know, even our own state or our own nation, when we move into the global arena, you are eliminating as much of the wrong kind of motive as it's possible to eliminate. Any way that you would be served, your purposes would be served by sharing Jesus with somebody or by loving somebody else, giving to them, you know, it's too easy when you know somebody well. You start with your sphere of influence, your family, your friends, your coworkers, but those are the easy people that it's to, you know, to give to. Because typically, if they're your family or they're your friends, then you know, you're interested in their welfare. And if you give to them, uh, then you know, their relationship with you will improve. And so there's a little bit of self-concern in there. You know, when you give to somebody in your uh, immediate sphere of influence, it's too easy uh, to be giving conditionally. Because a lot of times we give to somebody and we feel like we obligate them to give back to us. But you don't just love your wife. You don't just love your husband because you want them to love you. You love them because they're valuable and precious in the eyes of God and he's given them to you to live with. And you express your love to them without condition. But too often, you know, when we give to somebody, when we serve somebody's need, no matter what it may be, it's like in the back of our mind, now they are obligated to give to me. Because I've loved them, they gotta love me. Now there's something to, of course, the seed principle. But if your motive in loving them is so you can get something out of them, your motive has corrupted your choice to love. Your motive will, will either strengthen or corrupt the behavior that you engage in. And where we're talking about the love of God, when you've got it figured out that, uh, you know, you need to be more active on the national scale, let's get more Christians to the polling place so that way we can get what we want. There's a little bit of self-serving interest in that. And so all I want to say to you is that when you plant churches on a global scale, when you take the evangelism to the last uh, that God said into the uttermost parts of the earth, when you do what he says was his heart and go into all of the world, not just your acquaintances, not just the people you're comfortable with, not just the community, community that can make an impact on your quality of life, but when you go into all of the world, you eliminate almost every self-serving motive there could be. Because you're traveling somewhere that's hard to get to, might take you a day to get there, 
A lot of effort has to be made. You're going to be dealing with people you don't know, probably don't even speak your same language, and that in all likelihood you'll never see again. So what could they do for you in return? This is purely love. And I said that on one of our video clips. I think global church planning is the purest expression of God's love you can have. And if living by the royal law is going to determine ultimately your quality of life, which it will, because even your faith won't work except by love. When the motive and the things you're asking for enables you to be a blessing to other people. Amen. And so essentially, you know, since faith isn't going to work without love, and Jesus said your life will be unto you according to your faith, I mean, it's easy to see. You know, the things that you believe are what uh, control your decision-making process. And so whether you decide for good or decide for evil, what influence you yield to, <clears throat> you know, um, all of these things are, are affected by whether or not you're loving because your faith won't work except by love. That having been said, I do believe that global church planning is the purest form of the expression of God's love that we can engage in. This is where we all need to be involved if we're going to fulfill the royal law. How can you leave out the most significant direction we got from God about what he wants from us? And it is to go ye into all of the world. Now, not everybody is literally going to go into all of the world, but you can send somebody with the message, and God sees it being no differently in the Word than you going and preaching if you enable them to go by the financial support you gave them. Well, I'm getting off subject here. But the point is, our first Vision 2023 goal is global church planting uh, and we're allowing $1 million for that purpose. Uh, our total vision goal will be $2 million. $1 million of it relates to global church planning. And of course, uh, you know, our vision right now, and this could change a little bit, is to do five churches in 2023. We might have more than that to do. Amen. We have planted one church in the Dominican Republic already, and of course, we've shared that video with you and that information with you. Uh, but, you know, and we had said that we're going to try to get to Bogota uh, in December and get a second church planted this calendar year. That may not happen because we've, you know, we've sent the, we've sent the money. Uh, we have, you know... Um, used our contacts to take us to the point where a building has been bought in Bogota. But it needs to be uh, refurbished and remodeled. And they've got, you know, a similar if not worse challenge than we do here, dealing with code compliance and the government in order to build anything. So I'm not sure that, uh, you know, the, the church will be ready in December it may be we have to try to do six um, churches next year. At the moment, we're going to call it five. Five churches at 200000 per church. And uh, those estimates are based on not just the Falcon 50 costs of taking a team in there, uh, but then money for a building uh, to build a church, and then money to pay a pastor a salary for one year is in that $200,000. It's amazing how much more you can do with the American dollar anywhere else in the world than you can in America. You know, um, I mean, we, we built the whole church in Dominican Republic for a little over 50 grand. And uh, you can pay a pastor's salary in most other nations around the world for about $5,000 a year. And he lives like a king. Uh, maybe a little more than that in some... Uh, some communities. But the point being, uh, and, and all of that differs a little bit. You know, it's uh, 
was a little bit less expensive in Dominican than it will be in Bogota, uh, where building a church is concerned, so on and so forth. But I think 200000 per church would get us close. So a million dollars for global church planning is the first part of our vision for 2023. And then we're going to the Winner's Minute for the second part of our vision. Amen. The Winner's Minute. Uh, most of you are familiar with the Winner's Minute. You got a slide for that somewhere, just uh, in case there's somebody that doesn't know what we're talking about. Uh, the Winner's Minute is, um, and, and where's the star of the Winner's Minute? Where is the, there he is. No, you know, I said that because I have never found a picture of myself that I like. Has anybody ever taken a picture that you like? So they didn't put that up there because I complained about it. But uh, at any rate, the winner's minute is, as most of you know, um, one minute of Bible principle being sown into a secular community that for the most part doesn't even realize, at least initially, <clears throat> that this is from the Bible. And that's the way I felt the Lord led me. You know, there are enough programs where, you know, we air our services and Christians in the community would tune in, and that has its place. But I wanted to reach the secular community with principles that they didn't even realize initially was from, was from the Word of God. And then, of course, eventually they will, and it begins to orient their thinking toward a source of information that is not religious. It's given to us so we can have the best shot at being happy in this life, being successful in this life. And so the Winner's Minute has been very, has really impacted our community. And uh, when I, you know, when we had Andrew Womack here uh, in July, he brought his chief of staff with him. And uh, they became aware of our Winner's Minute and uh, were astounded by they, what they thought was a very effective format. They don't know of anybody else, and I really haven't thought about it, that is doing the same thing, using one minute to sow a seed of truth into their community. There's a lot of scrambling around for ministries to get on TV, but not for one minute. And they thought it was conceptually uh, a, a good way to begin expanding the partner base. Right now, our giving, our partner base, is mostly our church, our church membership and the people that, uh, that consider this their church home. Uh, that's probably 90% of our, our finances come from there. And it's unquestionable that we're going to need to expand our donor base, our partner base. The Winner's Minute gives us an opportunity to do that. And the way that I see that occurring is by using a tag on the end of each minute that I do. I mean, because people are always calling, wanting to get more information about something I, I mentioned in that one minute. If it's about raising kids, maybe as a parent, they'd, they'd call, um, you know, the, the Fox affiliate that we air it on, uh, Channel 9, looking for us, or call us if they found our number, to get follow-on information about maybe a parenting issue or a marital issue or a vocational issue, work ethics, I don't know, you know, uh, talk about all kinds of different principles. And if they want more information, you know, you know they'll, they'll call. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that would like more information who don't. So at the end of each minute from now on, I'm going to say if you would like more than a minute, then send us your email and we'll send you more than a minute. And we establish a contact with them and we can mail them follow on information about the things that they're interested in. Amen. So now you'll be hearing about not just the winner's minute, but more than a minute. And that'll be an email project primarily uh, that opens a dialogue between us and those that are interested in, in wanting to know more about the things they hear through this ministry. And so, you know, for me, it's an exciting thought. I believe that uh, that'll have quite an impact. 
And considering the number of viewers that we have, uh, you know, let's look at the average daily views from last year, uh, 50,000. I can't exactly see that number. I think it's 56,000. Um, and that was average daily views. That's how many people watched uh, the minute from start to finish. This isn't just passing by and there for two seconds and gone. These are people that watched the minute. 56,000 uh, last year, 76,000 this year have watched the minute. And the, uh, you know, the annualized totals are more impressive. Look at that for a moment. Uh, last year at this time, we had 9.7 million views. This year at this time, we have 15.7 million views. And that's just in the state of Minnesota. We don't go much beyond Minnesota. And we got 15.7 million views of the Winner's Minute. So it's a, a, it's a wonderful opportunity to connect with more people. And so we're going to be doing it with more than a minute, a more than a minute email. You'll start seeing that this week appear on the Winner's Minutes that we do. And, uh, and then hopefully we will begin opening a dialogue with people. Uh, of course, where a person's heart is, there their treasure is also. When their heart gets, starts getting established and uh, our ministry's ability to make a difference in the world that we're serving, uh, then, you know, they'll start supporting it financially. I don't think I'll even have to ask. It'll just happen. But the first thing is to make a contact, uh, establish a dialogue with the people that are watching the minute and then our partner base will expand. And so I'm excited about doing that. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to expand our reach yet, but we're going to allocate $800,000 of this two million toward winner's minute expansion. And we can expand two ways. We can expand geographically. Right now, most of our our um, audience is in the state of Minnesota. There are a few beyond that uh, because we also air some of the minutes on the Victory Channel. Uh, but most of it is in the state of Minnesota. So, you know, we can start buying airtime with major network affiliates in some other city, some other state, some other part of America, or uh, Fox, the Fox affiliate here I really like them. They've been good to us, uh, and uh, they're all for us. And uh, so, you know, maybe I should just stay with them and buy more time. Like right now, one winner's minute airs at uh, 6.43 in the morning, you know, to catch people eating breakfast before they go to work. And the other minute that we buy is at 11 in the morning, um, uh, which catches... I was going to say housewives, but I could say the stay-at-home parent, whoever that might be. And, um, but essentially, you know, I think it would be good to expand into the evening. You know, it's more expensive in the evening, uh, but, you know, it may be a good place to expand with a couple of more minutes. So I'm not sure how we're going to do it yet. And I'd like your prayer about that for the direction of the Lord in that regard. And we're going to spend $800,000. Sweet, three times what we're spending right now. What we do with the minute right now is costing $300,000. Uh, we're going to spend $800,000, almost three times as much, to uh, expand our presence in the market that we're going after. So, um, and then the third part of our vision 2023 is for inReach. Or we could say uh, infrastructure here at the ministry. I mean, just one simple thing would be, you know, it suddenly dawned on us last year that we needed to celebrate our volunteers because they do a whole lot of work around here that we don't have to staff. And so we had a volunteer appreciation night, you know, that was well attended. We had about a thousand, well, 800 to be exact, 800 people came to our volunteer appreciation night. And we just had a really good time of celebrating. But we, you know, we'd have a hard time functioning 
without the volunteers. I have shared this before, but for us to accomplish a week's worth of ministry, all the different things we do, uh, takes about 1,500 volunteers a week on average. There's some weeks that are labor intense. If we're packing meals for, you know, baskets of blessing or our Christmas giveaways and whatnot, yeah, they might uh, be worked a little harder, volunteers during those times than others. But essentially, it takes on average 1,500 volunteers to manage the ministry that we extend on a weekly basis. And it's really special to me, you know, to think about people giving of their time and their gifting and their talent and their abilities to, to work in the ministry. And so uh, the Volunteer Appreciation Day was an important day. We're gonna figure out how to do more of that more effectively uh, where volunteers are concerned in the coming year. Uh, the second infrastructure uh, consideration is for our youth ministry. Uh, you know, they're feeling a little left out of the remodeling program. You know, we've completely redone kindergarten through, uh, I mean, birth through um, age five, say, and then, you know, and then for children's ministry, which is age five until they get to high school age. Uh, but we haven't done anything for the youth ministry. And so we've got a plan to remodel the youth ministry and give them a first-rate uh, facelift over there and really accentuate, uh, you know, their ministry and our appreciation of it. And, um, and then in addition uh, to the youth ministry, we want to move our compass ministry, which is part of our children's ministry, but it is to uh, disabled children or handicapped children uh, that, that can't learn the same way as others or are unable to participate in the same way. And so we have specialized uh, ministry for them, delivered by people who have been to school uh, to be able to extend that kind of ministry. And we want to move them from where they are now, which is in the east end of the building, over to where children's ministry, all of children's ministry is in the west end. So relocating them will be an important part of that process as well. And then lastly, we're going to, uh, you may recall disciple internship. Uh, we used to take those that graduated from our youth ministry, and the next step is often an uncertain one. Where do we go? Do I go to college? Do I uh, focus on schooling or academics, or do I go get a job? You know, the greatest rate of attrition we experience as far as people leaving the church are between the ages of 21 or thereabouts and 30 or 31. You know, they start coming back after they have kid, get married, have kids, and realize how much they need the Lord now, then they start coming back. But the, that period of time from a youth through the young adult part of their life, that's when we lose a lot of people. And not just us, but the church in America, according to Barna. This is the greatest rate of attrition in any church. And so we want to hold our youth here, you know, by doing something we're going to call Next Venture. It is similar to the Disciple Internship Program. Uh, it will it will prepare them in a practical sense for ministry and business in general because ministry certainly has an important business component that you've got to give attention to. And so they will be trained on hands training, internship type training. Uh, and over a period of one or two years, they can earn college credits for what they do here if they then want to go on to college. And so this is something that uh, we want to start as far as our inreach or our infrastructure uh, vision is concerned for next year. That's only $200,000. We can get a lot done for $200,000 in that regard. And so that brings our total for our vision 2023, uh, that brings the total to $2 million. And, um, there are a couple of important things I'll add in closing. 
um, that uh, I'm excited about this year. First of all, vision giving will be used exclusively for that purpose, no exceptions for general fund budget. Now, this is important to me for a couple of reasons. I know that it's a disincentive. Since the economy uh, went south in 08, and we started having to really watch our pennies, uh, I would say during the vision campaign uh, that your money will be used for the purpose you have given it. With one exception, if we're running short on our general fund budget, it'll have to be used to support the general fund because obviously the church has to stay open. And I hated doing that because I know the disincentive that is. To say to somebody, well, you know, uh, we want you to give to these worthwhile things that we want to do next year, but if the, you know, if the general fund budget is running short, we're going to have to use your money for that instead. That's a disincentive. Because the truth of the matter, historically, was that every year I used a substantial part of the vision giving to support the, the um, uh, general fund budget. And so, you know, hey, the thought is, why do I even bother with the vision campaign? I'll just give like I feel led to give, and you know, it's going to go to the general fund anyway. Well, no, we're not doing that anymore, and I'll tell you why we're not. Because last year at Upper Midwest Faith Explosion, when we decided to make finishing the Falcon 50 and getting it flyable as our principal um, goal, you know, um, for, that, for that series of meetings, that was the goal we wanted to reach, Upper Midwest Faith Explosion, get enough money in to get the Falcon 50 in the air, which we thought was going to be about a million bucks. Turned out to be more than two, and God brought every dime of that money in, by the way, thanks to your generosity. But, but here's, uh, here's the thing. I said for the first time, if you recall, that your giving to the Falcon 50 will be used for nothing else. It's not going to wind up going to the general fund. It is going to the Falcon 50, and every dime was used for that, and we got it done. And I was sweating it. Because, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, you know, if a lot of the giving capacity in this ministry is absorbed by the Falcon 50, we may not have enough money to meet our general fund budget. And I will have used all of that $2 million for the Falcon. I should have used, you know, been able to use some of it if I needed to uh, for the general fund. You know, that's my thinking. And I... And I had to battle worrying about that for the balance of the year. But you know what the Lord showed me? When I got my hands off micromanaging the vision giving to accommodate a purpose that I'd figured out, this is the only way I can do this, is if we have the latitude to use this money for the general fund as well, if I get my hands off of it and trust the Lord, he'll do it. And he did. That's exactly what he did last year. We, we spent every dime of that $2 million and more on the Falcon 50, got it up, got it running. It's doing, doing really well now. And uh, guess what? He met the general fund requirement at the end of the year. Anyway, anyway. And so I, I don't know if this means much to you, but that was a lesson for me. You know, I need just to go ahead, and if it's in my heart to tell you what vision 2023 goals and objectives are, and that we're believing for that, then how can I possibly be believing for that if I say, if it doesn't come in, I'm going to use, the, I'm going to use it for the general fund. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm done doing that. What we, what we generate for 2023 will be used for that purpose and none other. And I'm excited to see the Lord once again bring the money in needed for the general fund. Amen. Amen. Now, I should say to you, obviously, this makes the subject of tithing more important than ever. Because tithing isn't 
discretionary giving. You know, the kind of giving that we do in a vision campaign such as this is over and above giving. Over and above the tithes and regular offering. The tithe, according to the word, is what is used to support the general fund in the local storehouse or church. That's what he says in Malachi 3.10. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat or provision in mine house. That's God's purpose. So the general fund, you know, when, the, when everybody in here is tithing, we'll have far more than we need for the general fund. I've said this before. Uh, you know, I can guess at the percentage of people that tithe in here by taking a look at the average Minnesota household income, which is information you can get easily online. The Minnesota average household income, taking 10% of it, and, uh, and saying, okay, well, uh, realizing that it might be a little bit heavy on the, because you can't, you can't cut out the offerings that aren't intended to go to vision. You don't know what that is, really. But you can say, okay, I know uh, that somewhere in the vicinity of 40 to 42% of our congregation actually tithes. And, um, you know, in one sense, I ought to get excited about that. Because according to Barner Research, you know, if you take all of the churches across America, and that includes anybody that calls themselves a church, whether they actually adhere to Christian principle or not, could be debated. But all of the self-proclaimed Christian uh, institutions across America, you know, the average is less than 3% of that bunch tithes, which is pathetic. And it's no wonder we don't have the financial capacity that the enemy does to promote a uh, principle that is totally contrary to the Word of God. Well, I'm going to try to get, quit from getting off on this too much, but, but the point is, if we had, you know, just 60 or 70% of our people tithing, the money that we would have to do things for God is astounding. And of course, the general fund budget would be met. So the tithe is going to become an important consideration during the course of Vision 2023 in order to sustain everything the Lord wants to do in this ministry. And of course, you know, um, I think it's important for you, not just the church, because this is the one place, if you read this, that he says, prove me now herewith. It's the only place in the Bible where financially he says you can prove him. Proving him. That's like saying, Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Or, Lord, I'll do this if you'll do that. You know, it's making uh, our faith conditional to his performance. And he calls that tempting him. And he says, don't do that. This is the one exception in the financial arena. Nowhere else does he say, you can prove me, you can test me. If you tithe, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive it. I don't have time to preach on the tithe this morning, but the promise of the tithe is he will meet your family's need and you'll have something left over. And there'll be a heart change because you won't be able to keep it. You'll give it away. When he says that, you know, um, I don't know wh where they're scrolling right now, um, but basically when he says that he'll pour you out a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. Of course, you can open more bank accounts. You can build more barns to put a bigger harvest in the barn if need be. So he's not talking about a physical limitation. There'll be a heart change when you tithe. And there won't be room enough for you to receive all the blessing that God brings into your life because you're a tither, you'll have to become a giver beyond the tithe. This is how he gets seed to the sower. He'll take care of your family's need. There'll be something left over. He calls seed. Now that's discretionary. Just like a regular farmer, you can eat your seed or you can use it to plant for next year's harvest. But this is not about the seed principle. 
It is to say that the tithe is going to become ever more important, a consideration for you individually and for us as a ministry in this coming year. And so I am going to renew my tithe challenge. I've done this only for two years now, but you know, I felt led to help people uh, make a decision to tithe because you know, I've been there. And I'm sure some of you that you know, are struggling with do we tithe or not? Yeah, I know what the word says, but, but maybe that's under the Old Testament. Maybe that's under the law. Maybe that's not for us in the New Testament. All that's wrong. The tithe showed up 400 years before the law was given. It's not under the law. It's a principle of life that relates to who you're going to serve. See, money, money is nothing but a medium of exchange that represents the material world. You have enough money, you can buy whatever the world wants, or whatever the world has to sell, sell that you want. You can acquire anything in the world if you got enough money. So money's nothing but a medium of exchange that represents that arena. And guess who the God of this world is? According to the word, Satan is the God of this world, the prince of the powers of the air. For the balance of this dispensation, the Bible teaches he has the legal spiritual right to manipulate circumstance and people to come against the blessing of God in your life, to bring about question marks concerning the validity of the Word of God. If you are not aware of the war that rages in the spiritual realm between good and evil and light and dark, you need to get aware of it because your life will never make sense otherwise. And you'll always wonder why God didn't do this or why God didn't do that or maybe he's not for real or maybe that was Old Testament. Or, I mean, you'll always wonder. And of course, I hadn't planned on talking about the tithe. I got to quit this. Uh, but these are things I've done a lot of teaching on it. You can get, I'll talk, more, I'll talk more about it during the course of this stewardship campaign. But the tithe is important, not just to us as a church, but to you as an individual. And so I'm going to renew my tithe challenge, as I started to say a moment ago which is if you wonder if you've not tithed because you say, we just can't afford it. What if it doesn't work? What if it was under the law? I hear some people teach that the tithe was under the law. I'll tell you who teaches that. Preachers that don't think it's very popular to talk about tithing and don't want to alienate their congregation. That's who teaches that. Because you can't dismiss something that is an integral part of the word, Old Testament and new, and especially when God says he never changes. Same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We have to make a choice to serve him instead of the God of this world. And so when you take the first 10% of your income that represents your opportunity in this natural arena by giving it to God, you are saying you acknowledge him as your source and provision and he will open the windows of heaven into your life and things will change financially. If you don't believe it, then after six months, if you start, if you take the tithe challenge and you tell me you're taking this challenge, after six months, we will escrow your gifts for that six month period. And after six months, if you don't feel like God's shown up, if you don't feel like he's proven anything to you, we will give you every dime back that you've given. So there is no reason the enemy can say, oh, you don't wanna do that. You might give it all away and then you won't have enough to do what you need to do. No, if God doesn't show up in six months and prove to you that his word is true and he's his hand, does it work in your life? Then we'll give you back every dime. And so uh, I want you to be pray, prayerfully considering the matter of if you're not tithing, either beginning to tithe or taking the tithe challenge.
Now, lastly, there's one other thing that I want to say. We are going to be celebrating tithers next year, big time. I mean, last few years, we've invited the high donors to a donor dinner because the word says that a man's gift makes room for him. And I have a desire to thank somebody that obviously makes a gift which was very significant. But I've always felt conflicted about it uh, because I know in my heart there are people that are really giving more than the people that give the big gifts. They fall in the category of the widow woman who Jesus said with two mites gave more than all of the wealthy people did because God judges on the basis of what you have available. So I know with all of my heart, there are a lot of people in this church that tithe faithfully. But their income level right now is such that, you know, they, they are not able to make a large enough gift to get invited to a, a donor dinner, high donor dinner. So, brother, we're going to start celebrating tithers next year in a big way. And I haven't figured out the best way to do it yet, so any suggestions would be appreciated. Uh, but, you know, I don't know, maybe, um, you know, in the warmer months of the year, we can rent food trucks, uh, you know, outside and just have, just have a blowout. Uh, for the adults and for everybody uh, that is a tither. Or a thought that occurred to me, we start having church picnics again for tithers. Boy, those were fun things to go out to Lake Rebecca Park Preserve with a couple thousand people. You know, there happened to be any normal park users there. They got saved, whether they wanted to be saved or not. And uh, we had water baptism services. They'd usually get dunked as well. And so, you know, we'd water baptize three, 400 people, have a great time with all of the good food and animals. Hey, maybe we could do that for tithers only. But I'm going to start celebrating people that make a decision to tithe because they are the backbone of everything that happens in the kingdom of God.